Welcome back to What A Hit, son. Uh, after a week last week, which had a very mixed kind of reaction for both uh, kind of all the English teams involved in both the Champions League and Europa League, today's episode will kind of look back on those semi-finals in both the Europa League and Champions League games uh, and kind of give our opinion on kind of some of the teams that were involved and kind of what they need to do going forward or kind of what, obviously, the finals, how they'll play out. So today I'm joined by Thomas O'Connell. Uh, as we select through the games and cover the different clubs. Um, so welcome to the episode, Tommy. Great to have oh, you back. Always a pleasure to be here, bro. I suppose uh, we'll start off with the Champions League. We'll look We'll look at the Europa League after, because I'm sure we've got plenty to cover on the Europa League side. So I suppose uh, last uh, Tuesday we had uh, Man City obviously book themselves uh, into the, the their first European Cup final. Um, which is a big step for them, obviously, um, when they want to challenge in Europe. And to be honest, they looked pretty solid in the second leg, really, compared. I know uh, PSG were without Mbappe, um, obviously, up front, which was a huge loss for them. But it's amazing, kind of, I suppose, when you look at how Man City are still performing, even when they're not even starting a striker up front. Yeah, he just seems to have kind of found a system that suits him down to the ground and is able to ground it out in big games. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was different. They, they kind of picked up where they left off at the end of the first leg um, in this game. Um, you know, PSG. I know PSG and Beppe is a is a massive loss for them. He's one of the only players with a bit of class on that team. Not, and I don't mean like skill wise. I mean character wise. Um, you know, he's he's one of them personalities, even even for so young, that can can drag his teammates, you know, through the you know basically through the hard times to to make the the good times come again. But like, so they did miss him, PSG. But like, yeah, no, I always thought City would would finish the job. Um, you know, PSG started to show their true colors at the end. I'm I'm not a fan of PSG, obviously. But I'll try and be as unbiased as I can, but um. But yeah, no. Look at PSG. They they kind of show their true colors at the end. They they're so used to getting. They're so used to things going their way. A lot of their players, and it didn't go their way that on that night and on the first leg as well. Bar the first half in the first leg, um, and they they didn't like that. They didn't like it being put up to them. And all City did was play good football, and they couldn't get near City, especially Phil Foden. Um, you know, he just he just he just he's just going from strength to strength every time he plays. There's nothing new we can say about him. He's just one of those players now. You just expect to perform um, in big games. He just has that personality um, and that hunger, and just you know, he, he just he just seems to have that. You know, he doesn't seem to fear anything when he plays football. And um, City without a striker, they just they just continue to show that you know that you know they can fu- you can function without one if you have the players that can you know play a false nine and you know when you have so many creative players in one area, you know. And, you, you you know you you can stick a lot of creative players into one place and and hope that something happens and you know you might get lucky you might not but you know Pep seems to have assembled a, a style of play and assembled you know the personnel within the team um obviously not cheaply but you know and and you know they're 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 playing away they got them to a final and and well deserved and they're probably favourites in my eyes in the final as well you know Chelsea. Chelsea are um, a good a good team, of course. They've improved. They've had a tremendous record under Tuchel since he since he took over. Um, but I I I think City might have a bit too much for them. I think when the shit hits the fan, I think there's more big time, big game players on that City team than the Chelsea team. But look, 
yet to stand corrected. And um, yeah, no, look, they're in their first final ever, I think, in the Champions League, obviously. Um, Pep's first final for I don't know how long. Is it, is it since he's been with Barcelona, his first final? Since he I won it? So, yeah, um, I don't think he got there with um, Bayern Munich. Um, I think he was he fell short kind of in the semifinals. So I think yeah. it's his first so final. It, so it's... Um, so yeah, so it's 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 going to be a test for him as well. He, obviously, he's a proven manager and he's won a Champions League before with Barcelona. Obviously, not with Bayern. So yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a big pressure game. Even if they are favourites, it's going to be a big pressure game. You know, English opposition, um, and you know, just just that he wants to get that monkey off his back of of, of getting another Champions League. You know, so yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to the final. I'll definitely be watching that. Um, I suppose then the other question I have from that, obviously PSG, obviously. When you look when you looked at them, obviously in that tie last week, obviously were bang average. Couldn't could barely even shoot on target. Like, and then obviously Neymar as well was was very very poor, and it just really shows he's he he see, since he's gone to PSG, it's kind of shown how much he was under obviously Messi and Suarez's wing, kind of a Barca kind of now. It's kind of really come to the limelight how much better they made him, obviously perform and made him look better mm. i think as a player like do you think is there is there a lot that needs to be done with that psg team for them to eventually obviously win the the title uh well i think you've two sides of the of, of the kind they're playing each other you know you've you've bought you psg and man city two teams who could throw endless amount of money around and assemble a squad man city you know they've spent a lot of money on their defense Especially, and you know, a lot of money in their midfield and attack, um, and it it just seems like they they tr- they threw so much money that eventually it was going to stick. But they seem to throw money in in the right areas. Um, I don't know, like like a lot. To be fair, a lot of that backline they spent money on has turned out to be good. Maybe Mendy aside, um, who is a decent player, but he hasn't really been. You know he hasn't really been fit enough for them to play for you know and stuff like that. So I think City have spent their money you know wisely. Let's say you know players that suit the system. Maybe it took a few years for a few players to come to the fro, but they seem to you know the, to replace the David Silva. They replaced you know um, Vincent Company. You know they're they're hopeful to find a replacement for Fernandinho when he eventually goes as well. PSG just mm. seem to throw money like in the wrong places just for the sake of it. Um, obviously the Neymar thing was was the biggest outlay for them because they wanted a superstar but then they nearly tried to spend as much money on Mbappe who in my opinion would have been a better player to spend uh, all that money on and probably use the Neymar money to get someone else because I think Neymar is hit. I, th- I think it's, it's, a, it's a personality kind of um, thing with PSG I, I, th- I don't think they've, they've recruited the, the best personality Um you know they don't have the right traits to, to in the big games. They're very selfish. They want to all steal the limelight. Bar Mbappe aside, um, you know it, it's it's just too many uh, square pegs and round holes for for PSG. That's from, looking from the outside in. I don't watch them every game. I only watch them in the Champions League, so I'm not an expert on it. But just even looking at that game, you could see when the shit hits the fan how disjointed they they quickly became. And you know when. When City were under pressure in the first leg, in the first part when PSG got the, the first goal, you know, they didn't fall apart. You know, it just goes to show that, you know, big money teams, but I think City just seem to spend money on the right players at the right time in the right place. And um, that's what kind of shone true. Obviously, they have a better coach as well. Pochettino's a good coach. He only came in, um, you know, 
was it halfway through the season, maybe a bit earlier. Yeah, about um, that. Yeah. So you know, he might. It's not his players, and we don't know how much time he will get to 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 bring his own players in or what the recruitment is like in PSG. Like, is it a director of football who makes the decisions and not the manager? And the manager they just basically throw players at the manager and say, make that work. I mean, that's never going to work. No. Um, no. Especially, especially with a team like PSG. But look, you can spend copious amounts of money, but they have to spend it in the right areas and the right players. They have good players, you know. Marquinhos, you know, is 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 an outstanding player. Verratti, you know, when he's fit, obviously. Mbappe speaks for himself. Di Maria seems to have done well there as well. Um, you know, so yeah, it's 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 hard to know what what they need. to what they need to do because it's hard to know who, who's making the decisions in that club and if it's if it's cohesive with the managers because they've had a lot of good managers at that club. You know, Tushu was a good manager as well. Pochettino is a good manager. Uh, it's just whether they can back them to get the players that they want to play with their system. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to know. It looks like Lille are going to win the title in France as well, which is going to be a huge upset for uh, yeah. PSG if that happens. Um, like will Pochettino keep his job if that ha- if if that happens and it looks like it is going to happen? I don't know. Uh, there's just no stability. Um, obviously stability isn't everything, but in PSG's case, you know they're the complete opposite of stability with with their managers. They don't seem to give them much of a chance at all. Even Unai Emery, I know in his first season, Monaco won the title, but he won it in his second season and still got sacked. So you know it's it's it, it's hard to know what they need to do. Um, it's a hard sell. I think, yeah. as regards for competitive competitive football in PSG, obviously, it's it, it's it's made a little bit easier with you know you're in France, you're in Paris, you're being paid a lot of money. Um, but that's only that's the real draw for PSG. Yeah, they'll be in the Champions League. They might compete. They might get to a semi final, final. But I I just I think until they find a cohesive plan to to bring the right players in, I I, I think this will be. PSG going forward, like it looks like Neymar is going to sign another contract, though, which I didn't, I didn't see coming. Um, you know, for all the huffing and puffing I do about him, he he still is a talented player, and it does speak speak volumes to be able to keep him at that club. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it depends. There just has to be teamwork involved in uh, the recruitment policy. It just, it just, it just seems like they're just true, like as many players or true money at players no matter what their credentials were or whether they'd fit into the system and just and just you know seeing what what would happen um you know so yeah i don't know it's 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 going to be a hard sell for them i think this summer yeah and i suppose it's going to be an interesting one to see kind of obviously obviously with how the pandemic obviously is unfolded to see kind of if they'll be busy or that in the summer I suppose then kind of the thing you touched on, obviously Man City, obviously their recruitment, the difference between them and PSG, the recruitment seems to have gone well. Like you look, the, the man of the match, I think, in my opinion, last week was either Fernandinho or Ruben Diaz, who literally was like a rock in that center defense, which obviously him being like 19, 20, he's, he's very young. Like he potentially could be the huge replacement star for Vincent company. Like it really looks like a bright future for them, especially if they go on and win, obviously the champions league uh, straight away, that puts them right up the top in Europe. And Yeah. Well, well, that's it. If you have that much money to spend, you can, you can afford to spend money on inverted commas flops. Let's say, you know, yeah. I'm not saying Laporte or John stones or, or flops. They're, 
they're not flops, but like yeah. if a player doesn't quite work out when you're Man City, you can repl- you control another 50, 60 million at a defender and get them. Yeah. And like they they tried and tried and tried and they eventually they 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 struck gold with Ruben Diaz. So far, so good. Anyway, he seems to be just everything you want in a central defender. You know, strong, quick, can read the play. You know, is uh, is good for a goal up the other end, great on set pieces. Yeah, he just seems to, to. They just needed that stalwart uh, in the middle, and then anyone can probably play beside him. It's probably similar to Van Dyke. Obviously, I don't think he's as good as Van Dyke. Not too far away, but um, you know, it's it's just it, getting some of the play beside him. It, it's a bit easier when you have um, a Ruben Diaz there because then John Stones uh, is, is a bit more free when he plays. You know, Laporte when he's not injured. You know, so yeah, it's. It's it's interesting now, you know that that Ruben Diaz signing, and, and it, it's yeah, it's it's a really good signing. It seems to have helped them not only in the Champions League, but you know they're going to win the Premier League too. They won the League Cup already, and um, got knocked out of the FA Cup. But yeah, look, if they're on route to win three trophies this year, uh, do a treble of sorts. I know it's not the treble, but it's a treble. But it's definitely the double if they win the Champions League. So. Yeah, no, you you can't say anything other than it's been a success and Pep's been a success and the recruitment's been a success if they win the Premier League and Champions League in the same season. Um, yeah. like that's as that's as good as it gets. Yeah, and I suppose kind of it's going to be an interesting final. Obviously, the kind of move on to the the other the other finalists with them, which is Chelsea. Obviously, they have again another com- team who had a very com- convincing win on in their semi final with a, I suppose a poor Madrid side who. Are showing their kind of frailties now, obviously, with mm. the, a lot of their players kind of coming to the end of their careers. Um, it, they're not as strong as they used to be. And I suppose the one thing you could look is a karma, obviously, for Florentino Perez literally setting up the, the Super League. <laughs> um, but, yeah, maybe. Um, the question I have, I suppose, from there is on Madrid's side, do you, if, if, if they get it correctly to summer, do you think they'll do a proper clear out? to bring in obviously talent to put themselves back up well they have to um they're in serious debt like themselves in barcelona yeah. so look I, they have a lot of players that they they could get rid of you know two arsenal player two players that are at arsenal at the minute danny Ceballos is, is definitely gonna not be at arsenal next season and he's definitely gonna get a permanent solution i can't see him in real madrid so he probably will be sold don't know how much money he would recoup if he sold to another Spanish team. You, you can't really see it being much, maybe fifteen to twenty. Um, Martin Odegaard would obviously would probably require thirty plus to get him away from Real Madrid. Whether Arsenal can do that or someone else, definitely someone else can. Um, you know, that's you know fifty million straight away, fifty odd million straight away. Look, I don't know. It's just that they seem that these players have been there and done that and worn the t-shirt, um, and they've been hugely successful for Real Madrid. And I just, I just felt like they rested on their laurels a bit much, a bit too much. They said, "We have this great team. We don't need to, or maybe we can't, um, you know, spend more money on on their future replacements." Like they struck gold, obviously, as regards the Champions League. When you know you've likes of Modric, Cruz, Casemiro. You know, obviously Ramos there for so long, Karen Benzema when when um Ronaldo was there, you know, winning Champions Leagues when Bale was there and stuff like that, you know, the kind of the golden Champions League uh couple of years there that they had where they won three or four, I think, wasn't it? Or was it two yeah, or three? Yeah, about three, about three yeah. 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 So like I just I just feel like they didn't have a contingency plan. 
judging by the, uh, or and if they or if they did, it's it it, it hasn't worked because the players that are coming in, they're not easy players to replace, but yeah. they just don't seem good enough for Real Madrid anyway. Um, like I I don't know, like Vinicius. <laughs> He, he's a good player. Is that is it Vinicius Junior? Is it a guy who plays um, number twenty for them? There's the uh, winger. Uh, Vinicius. Yeah. Yeah. Vinicius. He, yeah, yeah. He's a, like he, he's a good player, but it just he, he's very lightweight at times, and he just he just he tries to do it himself, and there's just you know there's no backup kind of good striker that's good enough. There's you know their midfielders. It, it's it's the same midfielders playing all the time, um, because it, and that just shows that no other midfielder is is trusted, um. Yeah, obviously their back line, uh, uh, Mendy, who you know, on left back is obviously a good signing. They they brought in from Leon. Di Matteo is, you know, he he's done better in the in the league than he has in the Champions League. He's been okay, but like he's not at their Sergio Ramos, you know, standard. Um, he yeah. doesn't have he, like there's not there's not like Real Madrid have won titles obviously on on talent in the Champions League, but mainly because they're bastards and they know how to be bastards and they know how to win. And they know when the shit hits the fan, you know, the, the Pepe's, the Sergio Ramos, they know who to kick, when to kick and, you know, who to rally. They can put the fear of God in you because that's a talent in itself as well. They don't have players who have that kind of grit coming up. Um, so, yeah, so I, I worry for Real Madrid. Like, I don't really care for Real Madrid, but I worry for them because they needed this Super League. Them and Barcelona needed this Super League. And look, they need to recoup some money. Um you know, so they need to sell players. Uh, whether they can, whether that money that's going to be recouped is used to, to buy players or not. Look, the Real Madrid, they'll find money from somewhere. They'll take out another loan from someone. Um, Florentino Perez, you know, he'll find he'll find some some money somewhere. You know, he has a big sofa. He'll be able to, you know, reach down the back of that and pull something out. So yeah, I, th- I, I, but is it like Real Madrid is always going to be Real Madrid, but you know. We're, we're sitting here saying, you know, Real Madrid need to do this, Real Madrid need to do that, and they look like they're going to win the title in, in La Liga. Um, so I don't know. It's it's it, but it seems to be they seem to be going nearly going down the road of PSG, where it's Champions League or bust. Um, you know, as regards that seemed to be good enough. Um, so I don't know. It just it just depends. You know, they will be able to sell whether they get the the price they want for some of the players remains to be seen. Everyone's going to be impacted by this COVID market, whether they're the richest club in the world or not. And there's going to be a loss. Every team is going to have a loss. That's why this Super League existed. So yeah, no, I I think they have a few barren years coming unless they can strike gold with a Haaland, Mbappe, you know, one of the up and coming players that are looking threatening to be the best players in the world. Um, but at this moment in time, you wouldn't say that they have the funds to be able to back that ambition up. Yeah, and then I suppose kind of obviously then looking at the Chelsea side of it. So obviously. Um, uh, Chelsea over the weekend uh, played Man City and actually beat Man City uh, 2-1. Obviously, there was a questionable penalty decision in the second half as well, which has had uh, referee uh, former referees obviously on either side of the fence with it. Um, I suppose kind of the question I have with Chelsea, obviously, Tuchel has has come in and he's shown that he he was obviously pivotal in PSG getting to the final and now he's helped push Chelsea to the final, which if Frank Lampard was still there, maybe they might not have gotten this far. Like, 
with Chelsea, can can you see them obviously um, beating Man City in the final? And if so, kind of how how do you see them beating Man City in the final? Like from Tuchel's well, side, there's always a chance. I know I, I fancy City, but there's always a chance when you're in a final. It's 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 ni- it's ninety minutes once off, um, or maybe a hundred. 20 minutes penalty shootouts you know it's a one-off game and you've more of a you, you know you've i think you've more of a chance if you're an underdog to to upset on the day um if it's once off i i i unfortunately i've been impressed with chelsea since Tuchel's came in um i just think they've they've played the players in their proper positions and it's worked like who would have known that one of the best defensive midfielders in the world in golo kante is really good in a defensive midfielder position, something that the last few Chelsea managers just didn't want to play him. They wanted to play him as kind of a nearly a central midfielder that has ambitions to be the furthest forward, nearly. So, like, it, I just he he just came in and 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 literally went back, went, like, analyzed the players he had, realized obviously they're not his players that he didn't bring in, but wanted to see what's their best positions. Havertz is now, you know, flourishing. Werner. Is getting there, but he's not there yet. But like he's getting there, you know. And Golo Kante, say, like like I just said, like he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. He showed it at Leicester in his first couple of seasons at Chelsea, but then they start playing him out of position. But now he's shown what he's really worth, and he's one of the big reasons they got to a final as well, and that they're finishing so strong in the Premier League. You know their def- their defense. You know it's uh, Thiago Silva is just. Uh, like because Kante is there and sitting in front now, Thiago Silva can now flourish again, like we know he can. Even though he's old, he's getting on. He doesn't have as much ground to cover. Yeah, so I suppose with, as you were saying, with Gungol Kante, he's really settled into his CDM role since obviously Tuchel's put him there. I suppose then, kind of the other question I have uh, from there is, can you see T- Tuchel obviously pushing them on from there in the, the summer, obviously into the new season, maybe that they'll be fighting for obviously the title in the future yeah i could see them as a threat um I, I really think you know as well as tiago silva's done since tuchel has taken over i think a lot of that is down to ingolo kante freeing up um that you know taking the burden off the defenders a good bit because there isn't as much space as in front of them and i think tiago silva has been exposed and, and shown all of his years um when there's so much grass for you know, forwards to run into, especially behind him or in front of him or to run at him. But I think now it's more secure in front of him and now he's well able to play his part um, in the defence, you know, a bit more. He's not expected to do more than he's required. Um, yeah, I still think they need a, I still think they do need a centre-back, though. You know, I, I don't know if Thiago Silva will stick around for another year and if he does, it's hard to know if, you know, they should. You know, I see United sign Cavani on for another year there. He's done well for them, but like that's papered over the cracks a little bit. I think for them, they need to go out and get a a, a really really good hungry young centre forward. Um, and I've, Cavani's been brilliant for them, and he he's he's you know it's a it's a good thing for him to sign on for another year, as long as he's not the main guy. That's what I think Chelsea need to do as regards uh, Thiago Silva. If they sign him on for another year, great because his experience is, is is vital. But he can't be the main guy. He there yeah. has to be a defender bought. Um, that's good enough for to you know to you know to, to be in a defense where anyone can play beside like Diaz, like Van Dijk. Not easy to find, but they need to bring someone in who will uh, yeah, replace like, Silva. I suppose kind of the one thing I, we could touch on maybe was obviously Tomori. Uh, 
who was kind yeah. of a pivotal one for uh, who looked like he was going to shine for Chelsea and then obviously he's gone on loan to AC Milan. He seems to have played well, obviously, for AC, obviously, with them being in the top four. So I suppose maybe that might be someone who might come in and might actually settle into um, Tuchel's system as well, maybe, and might learn better under Thiago Silva if he's playing as well with him, um, like, obviously, so certain other teams that you have. So that could be something that you look... I suppose then, obviously, kind of moving away from the Champions League onto the, the uh, Europa League. So as you touched on there, obviously, Cavani... Um, signing a new um, deal with United for an, another year. Obviously, he was pivotal in their uh, two uh, perform- matches against uh, Roma. Um, obviously, they, United lost 3-2 in the second leg, but they did all the hard work, really, in, in the first leg. Like When you look at, the, at United, like what, what has suddenly changed, obviously, because earlier in the season, they weren't as good as they are now. Like Now they're very, very hard to beat and look unstoppable nearly at the moment. I just think the team has grown with Fernandez. Um, obviously, he came in, had instant impact, you know, was their player of the season last year. Um, but I just think everyone else has, has kind of got up to his level in a way. There's still players that are questionable, obviously, um, you know, in, in their back line, which, you know, I don't, United fans probably wouldn't agree with me. I don't watch them week in, week out, so I wouldn't obviously have as an informed opinion as them. But looking from the outside in, I, I still think, you know, like McTominay, has, has, like he, he's, he's grown into the role he's in now. Luke Shaw has, you know, has become the player that United thought they bought. Um, you know, it's not. It's not. It doesn't seem to be too little, too late. He's, he's one of the best left backs in the league right now. Um, you know, Pogba play, is playing his part. I, I don't I, like if he was to leave. I don't think it would be a major impact on United. I don't think he's that much of an important player. But I do think Fernandez brings the best out of him. Um, you know, Rashford. Um, is, is Rashford? He, he he's he's a tremendous player. Cavani has come in and has you know. Has, has brought their attack to another level despite his age. You know, I do think it, it's good that they sign him to another year, but I really, really think if they want to push on for titles, uh, they need a centre forward, um, you know, who, who, is in their, who is in their prime right now. And Cavani isn't in his prime. Even though he's very good, he is solid backup um, for United. And that's why he should be next season if United are ambitious. And obviously, you know, they struck gold with Greenwood. Um, he's the... He's he's overtaken Wayne Rooney now, hasn't he? With the youngest youngest ever yeah. to score, uh, you know, sixteen goals for United, uh, sixteen league goals, sixteen goals altogether. I'm not sure, um, but sixteen goals, regardless, is you know some feat for a guy of his age, and you know he's only going to get better. But you know, I just think that the, the signing of Fernandez is just you know has brought them on so much. He's 27 goals this season, 17 assists. Um, he like. That's just one hell of a signing, um, you know. If if I, I just think everyone has grown with him, I just everything everyone's just got, yeah. has, has yeah. just got to his level, um, you know. There's question marks over the goalkeepers, you know, the centre backs. Bailly has 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 been better, but he's still injury prone. Maguire has been more solid because the midfield is starting to function in front of him as well, so he's not as exposed. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 you know they're a centre back, a goalkeeper, and a striker away from from being you know on City's level maybe. Um, yeah. You know, um, so 
it's it's hard it's hard to know if they, if they can get all that done in one window probably not but if they can get at least you know two or three in this next window and you know get rid of the players that they don't want hold on to the players that they really do want to keep and, and bring in players that can you know improve the squad and be cohesive with with the best players that they have already i do think they'll they're a threat and you know as for the europa league i you know the, I don't obviously losing the second leg was didn't make a difference to them. They were six two up. They could that they they were playing with the ham you know, with the handbrake up in the second leg. They didn't really care. They didn't need to care really. Um but they still yeah. they only lost three two. Um I didn't watch the game because I was unfortunately watching a different game. But um but uh yeah, no, I, I think it won't be a walk in the park, the final. Um, I I told you about Villarreal, didn't I? I told you so long so long ago. Was it before Christmas? I said I just have a feeling about Villarreal, um, yeah. Unai Emery effect, all that kind of stuff. They're a good team. They're not better than United, but you know the best team doesn't always win. Um, so yeah, I I I do think they should win the final. It's it's even before Villarreal be Arsenal, United should were were favourites. They should win the Europa League. But um, you know, and if they do, you know, it's it's a European trophy. Um, for a lot of those players, it's a monkey off the back for some of them players. Um, some of the new players that came in, I know they won the Europa League a couple of years back with uh, Jose Mourinho. But uh, yeah, no, they're they're looking good. It's just the problem with United the last few years is when they've looked good, they haven't capitalized on it. They just kind of rested on their laurels and had a bad transfer window. Had bought, you know, so they need to not they need to have a good one now. Um. They really do. They're in desperate need of a good transfer window. And, you know, that could be the difference between second place, which is not to be sniffed at, but it's a token second place. They weren't in the title race. Um, they were never in the title race. I, it's a t- I, you know? I suppose kind of with, with the United thing, as you're touching on, like the, obviously the, the good positive for them, obviously kind of now is obviously Ed Woodward is, is leaving, obviously yeah. at the end of the season, which could be a huge change now, which kind of might, me might be kind of better for them obviously with the recruitment side that they might recruit better players and not be bringing in players like obviously donny van de beek who's literally a bench warmer Mm. great great talent and he's literally a bench warmer and it's a waste for his career obviously now that he's sitting on the bench rather than playing and then yeah they need they need they need to have a uh you know, a chief executive that's that's with the team, cohesive with the team, with the manager, with the players that they want to bring in for the system they want to play. Yeah. And like, they have to they have to have they have to hire good there as well. You know, that that has to be a good. Uh, you know, someone has to come in now and do a good job there because I know Woodward Ed Woodward has been so bad at United, but like, if, there's no point in bringing in someone who's going to be as bad as him. You know, there could be someone. You know, he Ed Woodward wasn't good, but he had experience. He had connections. He might have made the wrong decisions, but like, where do those connections go now? You need to bring someone in who has as much as many connections, but has better decisions. And that will, you know, I don't know. I don't know who's making the decisions now at United as regards transfers. Obviously, Solskjaer has to be in that conversation. It can't be that a technical director or chief executive is making the decisions uh, with only a half-assed opinion from the manager. Solskjaer has to be in the. It has to have one of the final says on a player that he wants. Um. Yeah, but that's important that they get someone in good there, and if they, if they get a good uh, a good hire there, you know, it's it's United are they'll they'll be they'll be scary again because they're they're scary at the minute, uh, but like they they have potential to be even scarier. But like I said, it all depends on this transfer window. Like they will finish second, they probably will win the Europa League. It's been a good season um, 
for United. Obviously, United standards aim higher, or should aim higher, but that's not a bad season. Um, and yeah, they just have to back that up with a good transfer winner now, because so many times they've done something similar to what they've done this season, but the transfer window after that has been bad. So now they need to, you know, pick them. You know, they need to get get that monkey off their back, and you know, have a good transfer window. And sure, next season, who knows what will happen. Yeah, like I totally agree with you. Like the the main thing I see like um that that is pivotal for them obviously moving on. I think they need to sort out the goalkeeping side of it. Like it's either Henderson like, or De Gea. Get rid of De Gea maybe. Or Neither. Yeah, but I more realistically <laughs> I I can see them selling De Gea because he's at the yeah. later stage and obviously cuz Henderson's still young, they might obviously put him to first choice and see if he can yeah, well, there, there's only so many signings they can make. They have to cut their yeah. cloth accordingly as well. You know, they might, yeah. they'll, they'll have to, as as well as they have to make solid signings, they ha- they'll have to take chances in certain areas as well. And yeah. maybe a goalkeeper could be that area if you sell De Gea and bring in a solid number two and then make Henderson the undisputed number one. You know, it's a bit of a risk, but it might pay off. It might not pay off. If they want yeah. to go down the route of two keepers who can both be number ones, that can be. Messi as well, um, you know, not only with the competitive edge. I don't. I think the only area in the pitch that shouldn't be that competitive is the goalkeeper because you need a solid foundation. You need that stability behind defenders and that assurance um, as well. I'm not saying you can't have a good number one, but like say if you if you have um, Dean Henderson as your number one and you have let's say a solid Premier League proven keeper like a Matt Ryan behind them you know that wouldn't be terrible but like if you're gonna if, if like i think a lot of united fans would take selling the hair bringing in a matt ryan um as a number two having dean henderson as number one if it means they can spend more money in other areas i think they would take that um yeah. because dean, dean henderson is not a bad keeper and he has potential to be even better he's very young for a keeper so yeah, yeah no it's they, they have uh, the good thing about united is they know what they need to do yeah. um it's complicated clubs like Arsenal who you know they could do so many things and they don't know where to start but United you know have have good players in in every position they just need to improve it a little bit more in certain areas and they'll they'll be there so yeah no they're in a, they're in a great position United and you know United are back when their arrogant fans start to talk again um, <laughs> when, very, when social uh, media blows up with United yeah, United fans tweeting and yeah, posting they're, they're uh, yeah here look there's no point in supporting a club if you're not going to get excited about them or if you're yeah. not going to brag about them. You know, you, you have to give them their dues. Um, they're, they're doing well. They're going to win a trophy this season, probably finish second, closest to City. Even if it is talking, in my opinion, it's still there. They're still, they're still second. Like, um, so yeah, no, they're, they're in a good position. And yeah, I, I, they'll be forced to recommend next year if they have a good window. Yeah. And I suppose then it's on to the. No. The most frustrating side of it. Obviously, we had, uh, I, I think, I've had an emotional weekend kind of after it, an emotional four or five days, I suppose, obviously. I can, I, I, can, I can play a few voice messages here for uh, the podcast <laughs> if you want. I have a, a few interesting voice messages from, from oh. Keane after that <laughs> match last week. Yeah. Well, it, it was one of those games. It's just like, it, it's just been that one of those seasons that we just could not score we just could not do anything right it literally just it was like we just 
It was like as they as the commenta- commentators and the people in the studio said, it was like Arsenal were went out thinking they were leading the the the, the tie um the way they played and it was to be a fan and watch it you literally literally were nearly yelling at the TV half the time um Villarreal fair play to them obviously they did very well yeah, um, and absolutely. they got to the final Unai Emery tactically was a masterstroke from him but as an Arsenal fan to watch that and especially after the season you've had the last thing you want to see is them to go out and perform like that against a side that definitely could have been beat. Yeah, yeah look, first of all, you know, fair play to Villarreal. They're, you know, Emery has them well-organized. You know, they've recruited in good areas. They're, they're playing to a system that seems to suit them, that didn't suit at Arsenal. Um, they defended very well over two legs. They could have been three or four nil up in the first leg. Um, but then the Emery effect happened where he put on Coquelin for uh, Paco Alcazar. So... Yeah, um, where to begin? Bad game, bad week, bad season for Arsenal. Um, look, they went out with a whimper. Villarreal totally deserved it over the two legs. So, you know, they dominated the first leg um, and kept Arsenal at arm's length for, you know, the second leg. So they, they thoroughly deserved it. Arsenal, like you said, they just they played like a team that were a couple of goals up. They didn't, they didn't seem like they needed a goal the way they were playing. And the only thing that was going to get them a goal was a Pepe screamer uh, and Aubameyang pulling something out of the fire. And only nearly one of them happened. So, you know, it's, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's just, it, it just compounds our season. And, you know, Mikel Arteta said after the game that, you know, Granit Xhaka getting injured, you know, kind of, kind of divvied up the plan a little bit, which, you know, if if a central midfielder who's been told to play left back gets injured, if that messes up your plan, it wasn't a very good plan, especially when the backup no. plan was the best left back at the club to come in, whether he's 60 or 70% fit, he's still better at Granit Xhaka in that position, who's done well, but it just hinders Arsenal so much. And I was screaming for Bakayo Saka to be used in that position when while Tierney was out. And look, it's, it's, it's screaming into the void right now. Um, it's a huge blow for Arsenal. It's it's a huge, huge black mark against Mikel Arteta. Um, this is on him. Um, it's it's very it, like if he lost his job over this, he'd have no arguments in my opinion. Um, yeah. I don't think he will lose his job. But like when you think about it, when th- the reasons to keep him in the job are hypothetical, but the reasons to for him to lose his job are concrete. Yeah, you know, so that that's not a very good position to be in. Um, well, I think they will. I think they will back him though. Um, they said they will. He seems confident that they will. Look, I if he if he does continue, I'm not screaming for him to be out. I'm not, but um, I won't. I wouldn't shed a tear. Like I, I'd be unfortunate. Obviously, I, I had great hope for him. Um, I, I wouldn't shed a tear though if he was sacked. If he's not sacked, I'll back him to the high hills because who else are we going to get? I don't know. Um, yeah. He might come good, but like you would say now that after this summer, uh, next season, if if halfway through the season it's the same shite, that would be my that would be my line. Yeah, um, like you wouldn't, you can't give him a full season of eighth place, ninth place, tenth place again. Like if 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 it comes to before Christmas and we're still in those positions, the cord has to be pulled. 
Um, yeah. and he has to go at that stage. But yeah, I don't know what Arsenal do this summer now as regards funds. Like it's well, I I suppose kind of touching on that. Like obviously, as you've experienced, like I and we both said at the weekend, like yesterday's match against West Brom, I refused to watch it because I just saw yeah. no point. No point in watching the match, especially when you're literally like we've a very 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 slim chance of getting back into Europe. Uh, with the games remaining, like it's it's even the conference league, yeah, yeah. And to so, be honest, I just could not be arse watching. And it's not; it's just kind of as a fan, just out of the frustration I've had all season. And then just the uh, Europa League was in. I just said for the rest of the season because we're playing for nothing. I'm just gonna take a break from the rest of the games and actually enjoy my weekends instead of like, coming out pissed off for the rest of them. Um, yeah, well, well, I, I wasn't going to do it then I turned it on the first thing I seen was uh, William give away a simple pass and I turned it off I didn't watch it either uh, I just watched the highlights um, yeah exactly I saw I, all I did was go on match of the day and watch I just, then you you only get to see the best bits maybe I just <laughs> I just I just had no desire to watch William Ceballos who won't be here next season and El Nene play like I just I just had no desire to watch them. Like yeah. nothing again. Like no offense to them players, but like that's that scream. Like those selections scream a manager who wants to keep his job. Like as regards, he wants to pick players that he sees as solid. Like instead of giving young, if if more young players started that game, if, if you know Martinelli started up front, fair enough. But if a Balagoon, like a Reese Nelson, came in instead of a. Uh, William, I know he might be on his way out, but at least it's something fucking different. You know, if Azizez is playing in midfield, you know, I, I, I would have been something to look at. But like, like I, I, Arsenal Twitter right now is a shit show. There's just so many stupid rumours that will never happen coming across Arsenal. It, the, a lot yeah. of people treat Arsenal, because Arsenal in crisis, a lot of people think the Cronkies are going to suddenly care and yeah. give Arsenal a war chest, which is never a thing, by the way. It never was a thing at any club, a war chest. No. That doesn't exist. Like, um, it's so, like, it, no, it, it's it's just, like, yeah. I don't know, man. It, like, they have, like, there's a, if you go through that whole team, that the whole Arsenal team, there's all, you're struggling to find more than four players that you wouldn't care that if, if they were sold. Yeah. You know? And like they, the that's main- what I mean the main ones, like you'd say, is I'd say, like I can name three straight off: Tierney, um, would I? Sack and Smith Rowe. Sack and Smith Rowe. That's that's the only ones I can think. May and Martinelli probably. I'd yeah, probably. That's four. Yeah. But like even yeah. if a big offer came in for Aubameyang, a Pepe, I'd probably want to keep them. But like, you know, that's what I mean by the difference between an Arsenal and United. Like in the transfer window now, at least United know what they need to do to get where they want yeah. to get to. What do Arsenal do? Yeah. You know, they, they have a technical director in Edu who, you know, still the jury is very, very much out for him, uh, for me at the minute. It, I just, I can't, like, do you trust, if you give him 150 million, 200 million, do you trust him spending mm. in the right area? Arteta, like, he makes some strange decisions on the pitch. Like, will he make those same strange decisions in the transfer market? Yeah, like, like, he, the- like I know, I know he brought in Gabriel and Partey. Partey's been underwhelming as well, but he's also responsible for a William. Like, yeah. so uh, the I question know. I have, obviously, from here is: say, obviously, you look at the team now, and you look at how the one thing that I found frustrating was the amount of t- like majority of the games this season. We never really 
had a continuous flow of the same players playing week in, week out. Like every game, he'd have a different back four with mm. two new centre yeah. defenders. He never continued with the same guys. He he seemed to rotate it too much, which definitely isn't something you want to see in a team. Yeah, I know he has a lot of defenders and he's trying to use them all, but definitely it's something as an Arsenal fan, you can see one week you've got two like Mari and Holden playing. The next week you've got Gabriel or and David Luiz or whatever playing. And it's just it's too chop and changing as, as a fan to watch. I suppose kind of what can you like what realistic would you love to see this summer? Like I know myself, the first thing I would love to see, which probably won't happen, but all Arsenal fans are crying out for it. I would love to see if I can Cronky finally go. Um that's realistically what I'd love to see happen. It won't happen. It never happened because he doesn't care. He's getting his money at the end of the day. That's all that matters to him. He's got his three or four clubs around the world. Arsenal, one of them. So he's, he's getting some sort of income into them. So he doesn't care. I don't know how, you, how to even answer that, that question. Like, it's like, uh, who knows? You can say yeah. Arsenal need to do this, get rid of that, bring this guy in. Who knows what's going to happen? All I know is that it's not going to be this transfer window that will fix it. Yeah. What they do, the one thing they do know they need to do now is protect those young players and Tierney. Yeah. Protect them. They need to, you know, they need to get. I know Tierney, Saka will be will be you know going to the Euros. Smith Rowe, he needs a good preseason. He needs a rest for the summer and a good preseason. Get shake off those muscle injuries. Martinelli, whether he's called for Brazil or not, I don't know. Um. He needs to be the same as well. He needs a good rest and a good preseason. Saka and Tierney, unfortunately, will not get that. Um, they will be playing in the Euros, which is great for them. Not so great for Arsenal. Um, yeah, well, that's third the four players you build the team around now. Um, Aubameyang has had a bad season. He's you know on and off the pitch, so you know you you'd be hoping that he'll come back firing. Um, like Lacazette, you're still question marks over his his contract. Sell, he's into his final sell, year, so sell, you know, sell, sell. <laughs> Thank you, sell. Like he he's he's been good. He's our top scorer, yeah. but no, you don't give a 29 year old another another contract. Sell. We've, Sorry, we've seen we've sell. seen what's happened with with players we've given bigger contracts and. I just... mean, did you you just signed Balogun to a long term contract. You don't need to give a 29 year old. I know he's a proven goal scorer, but he's so hot and cold as well. So, yeah. you know, he st- he stepped up a small bit for Aubameyang this season, but still, still not not there. He still hasn't fulfilled his potential that Arsenal bought him for. Um, you know, I still think Arsenal regret buying him because they spent 50 million on him in the summer, and then the very next transfer window in January they spent 55 million on his best friend. So Arsenal never really trusted him. He needs he needs to be sold. Thank you, Lacazette. You're a great character. You're 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 a decent leader, a decent player. But sorry. We don't give contracts to 29-year-olds. We can't do that. I know Arsenal do, but we can't do that. In Kedia, goodbye. You know what I mean? I know you're going to leave yourself short in a way. You can't sell everyone. You have to cut your claw a little bit. But like, you know, because that, that means you probably have to hold on to the likes of Granit Xhaka, who has been okay this season, to be fair. But He's, he's played better with, in, in midfield when he's yeah. had Thomas Partey fully fit and in beside him. Par- and Party has played better with Jacka beside him. So, yeah. you know, that 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 says something when your when your bar is 
Xhaka, but that's another thing. But like, here, look, yeah, you're, you're probably going to have to keep him because midfield is a struggle right now for Arsenal yeah. because Ceballos is going to be gone, El Nene should be sold, Torreira will be sold, Granduzzi will be sold, um, Joe Willock, who knows what's going to happen with him. I'd say keep um, because we just, like, I know he's, he's at a so-called lesser club scoring goals against big teams, but Arsenal can't afford to to sell too many players, they need to keep some players. Unless Newcastle come in with 25, 30 million for Willock, then you probably say, okay, take him. Um, but yeah, I don't know where to start, man. Like, it's it's not an Arsenal podcast, so it probably like we're probably spending too long on, on Arsenal at the minute. But like, yeah, no, they they have a a, a a tough summer ahead and possibly another tough tough season. I know there'll be less games and. They, there's a probably a lot, a lot to be said to have a smaller squad next season because there's going to be not there's not going to be no midweek games next next season yeah. for Arsenal. So there's probably a lot to be said to sell more players than they buy and keeping the squad small. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be going to be fucking tough to watch Arsenal for for the remainder games of the for the, the the games that remain for the season because there's no real reason to watch them. I'm yeah. just hoping they don't get tumped by Chelsea on Wednesday. That's where I am right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to talk about. Um, they're gonna have Alteta, Edu, and Vinay are gonna have to pull something out of their arse this summer, and something quite big. Um, they they talk out they uh, they talk out their hole a lot, so maybe their hole yeah. is big enough for something to be pulled out of. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, watch this space. Whether it'll be interesting or it'll certainly be interesting, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Whether good interesting or bad interesting, I don't know. Um, but it'll it'll definitely be an interesting watch to see what Arsenal do this summer. And I suppose, obviously, we I, I mentioned briefly, obviously about um wanting Kroenke to go. Like, obviously, we see this thing that's all over social media, and even he's come out and said Daniel Ek, obviously pairing up with uh, the the three former players, obviously in Henri. Camp and Vieira obviously trying to buy the club and bring it back to its former glory like do you think that is something that's maybe missing from from Arsenal as an identity like Arsenal used to have this identity you knew kind of the way they played and that like it has that something that's gone missing like Arsenal don't have that identity anymore that it's very hard to identify what Arsenal are anymore compared to obviously when obviously Arsenal were successful obviously back in like 2005 2004 kind of that kind of area when obviously we had the invincibles we won we were challenging united left right and center for for trophies nearly every year kind of is that is that something maybe that needs to be looked at by Cronky they if he if he stays that maybe he needs to look at maybe yeah well like a lot of the clubs that he runs he puts I wouldn't say I don't know if he puts the right people in charge, but he doesn't run the clubs. He gets he gets someone else to run the club for him. That's why Vinay, Edu, they're all in those kind of positions right now. Whether they're good good people to have there, so far has proven no. Um, but I don't know. This Daniel Ek thing has me suspicious. It's like there's not many people on this earth richer than Stan Kroenke. He's one of the richest yeah. men in the world. He doesn't care. He's 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 negligent to his clubs. We know that from other clubs as well. But I don't think Daniel Lek is sustainable. I don't think he's a stable option. 
it's great in theory to have an Arsenal fan and Arsenal legends running the club, but he's taken out capitalist shares to buy the club and that debt will be put on Arsenal. Like he's saying that it won't be, but it will be put on Arsenal. Uh, and I just I don't think much would change. The, would be would there would be more communication and more, you know, willingness to talk to the fans, of course, because he's a fan himself. But sometimes being a fan of the club isn't enough. You know, let let's not forget it was fans on a board that sold Arsenal to the Cronkies. That was that was fans that did that. So it's not always the best option for fans to be to be have the final say, be represented and be on the board. Of course, as long as those fans are the right people to have there, who will make the right decisions for the for the the you know the best you know the goodness of the club. But this Daniel Lett thing, like he barely up until recent up until Taylor Swift threw threw a, uh, a fit, he wasn't paying it. They weren't Spotify wasn't paying their artists properly. Zero point zero 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 six percent of a cut. You know what I mean? So he's not exactly a knight in shining armor either. Um, you know, yeah. is is the way we're going to think now? This billionaire didn't work, so let's try another. <laughs> They're all fuckers. <laughs> so like, like all, all we want is a bit more engagement. But like, I, I think the the main thing is obviously is is the Cronkies being so distant from the club, but also yeah. they're not hiring the right people to look after it. Like they hired yeah. Ivan Gazidis. Like he's making a bollocks AC Milan in a way too. They want that Super League as much as everyone too. Then there was obviously. <coughs> Ralph Sanehi, you know that like they didn't hire him directly. He was a suggestion by Ivan Gazidis, but like the fact that they didn't sit down and take into account, ooh, okay, we're we're just, they they just hired him off the back of a Gazidis recommendation, you know. Yeah. Um, then he he got the boo, you know. Sven Mislintak coming in got the boo, you know. Uh, Vinay and Edu are there now. Jory's out on them. You know, they haven't, you know, they haven't really, no, yeah, they got rid of some dead wood in, in January, but they had to literally pay them to leave the club. So it's not exactly a stroke of genius what they did. So it's just the fact that they haven't hired the right people in the right positions for the best, for the, for, for the goodness of the club. They haven't done that. That's the big issue here as well. Yes, they're negligent, you know, but let's not forget they spent 30 million on Gabriel. They spent 50 million on Thomas Partey. That might have come from the, that might have come from self-sustained funds, the Arsenal. But I say some of that definitely came from Kroenke. So they have spent mm. money. It's just they haven't, they haven't, they don't have the right people to spend that money for them. Uh, yeah, at the club and, at and, the minute. and the problem there is, as as you've said, it like, um, is the communication. Obviously, Kroenke doesn't even get involved. He has his son, um, getting involved in Josh, the club. Yeah, Josh and. The communication between even even when Josh gets involved, his communication to the fans was very poor. Like it's skewed, yeah, it's skewed. And like like Josh didn't make his billions. Josh has inherited inherited his billions, so he's he's not a genius, no, either. Like you know what I mean. So he he didn't create the wealth for his family and for for KSE. You know, his father didn't even do that. He did he did obviously increased it, but he inherited it as well. So yeah. We're not talking about self-made billionaires here. They are billionaires, and they're probably they're more sustainable than Daniel Ek. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Would you rather the devil you know than the devil you don't? Maybe that's where I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm just very cynical. But like the Arsenal supporters trust Red Action haven't okayed that bid yet. 
So yeah. like obviously they met at a fans forum, Daniel Lecca and the three boys um last week or the week before and you know they're still not convinced the Arsenal supporters trust that it's it's a go ahead. They haven't okayed the um the bid yet. So there's no bid yet. So I don't yeah. know. It, it it's going to be it, it was never going to be something that will be done in a week or two. This is if if he's serious about buying Arsenal, it's going to be a long process. It's going to be a couple of it's gonna, months, it's maybe be a year, a long, a long summer, yeah, or or a year, yeah. And like the thing, the thing I, I really want, and I know most Arsenal fans, like I listen to obviously different ones, like I watch obviously the likes of Arsenal fan TV, I follow Ars blog, various different Arsenal um, pages, even. And that the one thing I I can see that all Arsenal fans are just crying out for is we need an owner who just wants to communicate with the with the fans, the owner himself, not using other people to come out and makes the right decisions in the club to benefit the club. Like you look at, I know you've got different ones like, like John Henry, um, obviously. And I know a lot of these man, uh, owners were involved in obviously the super league, but a lot of these owners do get involved with their clubs more than what our owner is doing. Like, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's frustrating as a fan to see that there's all these clubs. Like you look at Liverpool hadn't won a title since, since the the 90s in the Premier League and they go and win their first title and like have kicked on from there obviously they won the Champions League as well and that as an Arsenal fan you want to be seeing something similar happening here where the the owners are involved they're pushing the club in the better way whether you bring in former players to help with the coaching side of it or that to help the manager or you you change the, the recruitment staff for the better but something needs to be looked at and the owner needs to be more involved, whether it, it is Stan Kroenke, whether it's Daniel Ek, whether it's some other person that comes down the line. Mm. That's what Arsenal, all Arsenal fans want. Yeah, well, you're, when you're, when you know, not all, not, I don't think any billionaires are morally yeah. there. So, yeah. like, it's not about them being, finding a billionaire that's a nice guy. You're not going to find yeah. that. Um, it's you just about... You just want one that that has an interest in the club and yeah. just doesn't see it as a franchise or a business like Cronkay does. Like he sees yeah. all of his all yeah. of his clubs or franchises or the fuck he calls them. Um, yeah, look, I just people are just getting excited about Daniel Lek because it's just something different. They know Cronkay, um, so then they want someone different. I want him out. You want him out. Nearly every yeah. Arsenal fan wants him out. There's not many positives for having him in the club. Yeah. But is Daniel Lek the solution? I'm not convinced so far. But it's only the start, so we will see. I don't think KSC will 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 sell. Um, I don't think they care enough either way to invest too much or sell. Um, look, I don't know. Maybe the the lack of any European money this year will will you know will make them think and will you know make make them take notice. I don't know. Um, I doubt it. I doubt it. I very much doubt it. Yeah. But I'll eat my words happily if that does, if if they do turn a corner now with themselves but like they've been at the clubs since the early 2000s and you know it's always been this way like you you just start to realize what Arsene Wenger has done uh yeah in years, getting Arsenal to a top four like uh, a lot of pundits have said from this like uh, Arsenal fans obviously pushed I think towards the end even I myself like was just yeah like, well it was time Arsene for Wenger to go yeah and I think now everyone looks back on obviously his time now and they give him more credit for what he's done, obviously, because 
of obviously the decline that was happening. Now, the one question I do have from it is, say if you could rewind time or you could change something, like the one question I always have, and I've asked one or two Arsenal fans this, would you go back to Highbury instead of being in the Emirates? Uh, um, I mean, hindsight's the foresight of a gobshite. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah, obviously. I, I, I think, yeah. I, I, obviously, but it wasn't so much the stadium change. It was the promise that changing the stadium and upgrading the stadium to a modern stadium was going to allow Arsenal to challenge more. It, that yeah. just didn't happen. And that, I suppose that's the big thing. It's not so much the stadium change. I haven't been at, at Highbury. I would have loved to have went to Highbury. But it was just so much the promise, the reasoning for the stadium change never happened. But see, the, the, the problem I have with obviously the stadium change, which I kind of wish we were back in Highbury now, was because financially, what that did to us, what that did, it pushed us all the way back behind obviously your Man Cities, your Chelsea's that were coming up. We could not yeah. compete with them as much. And because of that, we, we've gone way back. And now we're kind of even seeing even more of how much more we have to go now to get back up there, even though we're we're not in this debt as much as we were now, obviously, with the stadium. I know we've got little bits and pieces to pay off, but we don't really have to pay off anything now. And it's it, as an Arsenal fan, you now look back at, say, if if that didn't happen, say we were still in Highbury, like where we could be now, obviously, compared to... That's the one thing I find frustrating now looking back on it. Yeah, and just the fact that, you know, to keep the club afloat, Arsenal, Arsene Wenger had to make sure Arsenal finished in the top four every season just for the Champions League money. And that's why the money wasn't invested in the squad because it needed to pay off the debts. That was proven. And that was why yeah. that, you know, that was why it was so vital. Um, yeah, look, of course, I, I, like the Emirates is a beautiful stadium, but it, it, it hasn't fulfilled its purpose. It hasn't seen a league title. No. It's it, it's it's you know barely seen. It hasn't seen Champions League over the last couple of years. It hasn't seen you know. It hasn't seen many, many like you don't think of many games that were pivotal in the Emirates. Maybe the semi final or not semi final. Maybe the first leg last sixteen against Barcelona when Arshavin scored. Um, maybe when Welbeck scored a header against Leicester when we thought we were going to go on and win the title. Um, obviously, but. Both of those games ended in vain um, because neither no, they were great games and, and obviously won both games, but they both came to nothing in the end. Um, yeah. But like you can't really think of many memories in in, in yeah. Emirates Stadium, but you can think of so much more from from the Highbury days. Um, but here, look, that's here nor there. They 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 moved to the Emirates to, to try and compete with the best. That's my biggest problem is that they didn't they didn't fulfil the promises. Uh, as to why yeah. they moved to the stadium, it it just never came to pass, and it was because of them, not because of anyone else. Because of the Cronkies, they did just didn't keep their word. They didn't invest in the club. They put all this debt on the club that they forced the club to be self-sustained with the Champions League money to pay off the debt, um, took out loans, and left it all on the club. That was my biggest problem. And now it's just yeah, we it we it didn't look like we were falling too far behind in during those days when we were getting top four. We weren't challenging for titles, but we were finishing the top four. But now we're starting to really see the effect of that. Um, yeah. We've just fallen so far behind. And, you know, the decline isn't only our head has fallen. It, it, it was coming during the Wenger era as well, near the end of that. So, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's a hard pill to swallow right now. And, like, I, I, like the, the, the weird thing is this doesn't feel like rock bottom. And that I I, I kind of wish I, I kind of wish it did because <laughs> I think there's, there's it, it it can get worse. Yeah. Um, 
before it gets better. But who knows? It's yeah, it's. I think we've talked enough about Arsenal. I don't want to talk about them anymore. <laughs> and that, that that one one comment I heard someone say literally the other day is like Arsenal are like the Liverpool now before Liverpool won the title. They just just never looks like they're challenging for the title. They're just challenging. Yeah, to well, they, they they had recruitment issues as well. Yeah. Um, to be fair, but yeah, but like here, look, Liverpool are a bit, are, Arsenal are obviously a big club in England, but Liverpool are a lot bigger and yeah, they, they have um, yeah, they they had they but like I suppose it what makes the the winning the title and the Champions League all the more sweet is the fact that you finished in ninth or eight, eight or ninth a couple of years before. It makes winning a title ever more sweet than when you win it five years later. So here, look, maybe exactly. this is maybe this is rock bottom, and in five, six years, four, five, six years time, maybe Arsenal will be celebrating the title win, thinking, "Jesus, look where we were four or five years ago." Um, unlikely, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> we can ne- all dream. <laughs> you know, just three things certain in life: death, taxes, and a new season bringing you optimism. So. Like next, next, next season, I will be optimistic about Arsenal's chances, even if it's naive. Um, Because, like I say, what's the point in being a fan if you're not ambitious about your team? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I suppose uh, we've uh, we've gone through uh, enough, obviously, with Arsenal, and I suppose we've covered obviously. uh, I suppose the last last question I have is uh, predictions then for the Super Cup. Who who do you think it'll be? Obviously, uh, later this year. Uh, I I think myself it'll be uh, Man United Chelsea. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna be uh, throw my hat out and uh, think City will will lose the final. I'll be Villarreal City. Oh, okay, yeah, I oh, like I'll that. I go the opposite. I go the opposite. I would genuinely love to see Villarreal win the win the Europa League. I would genuinely love to see them win the Europa League. Yeah. Not only yeah, because be I don't great. I don't not only because I don't like United, um, but I just. Yeah, I, 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 they're obviously a, a small town club, um, yeah. and you know this is this is their biggest game in their history, um, and I, I just I'd like to see you know Unai Emery. I didn't obviously I didn't like him at the end of Arsenal. I wanted to see him go, but he's a nice guy who uh, yeah. who deserves to have you know deserves to have a success at a club like that. So you know, yeah, you best know. to look to them. I hope all they do it. Yeah, and it is going to be an interesting one, and obviously in the next few weeks we'll know what happens. Um, but I suppose this obviously uh, will end it there. Obviously, thanks again, Tommy, for joining me. I know it's it's a dark time to be an Arsenal fan, but always great to have you on. And I'm sure uh, let's hope uh, the summer and uh, the new season uh, coming later this year obviously brings uh, plenty of positives for us. I- um, yeah. Thanks, man. I'm just going to go cry myself to sleep now. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for if that. You, <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode and would love to keep up to date uh, with us, please follow us on uh, Instagram at What It Hits On Podcast. Until then, thank you for listening and subscribe for more. Bye.